Welcome to the T2 Hubcast. Join Martin, Dave, Spencer and guests as they discuss all things personal and professional development. The T2 Hubcast, brought to you by the People Performance People. So welcome back to the T2 Hubcast with me, Martin Johnson. Me, Spencer Locker. And me, Dave Pendleton. We should have rehearsed that guy, shouldn't we? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, it's live. How are you doing, guys? Spencer, how are you? I'm, I'm doing good, mate. I'm doing good, thank you, yeah. Good stuff. Dave? Yeah, an awful lot better now. Yeah, much better days. Yeah, I think, I think it's because there's potentially light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, we're on May the 14th. Boris's announcement was on Sunday. Uh, after a couple of days of confusion and the nation left feeling perplexed, I think we do have some clarity. And I think hopefully now, over the next six weeks, we can start, um, you know, start thinking about the future again and, and how, you know, how we're going to integrate as an organisation again and how we're going to service clients again. I mean, it's not going to be normal. Um, but I think, it, it, would you say, Dave, the reason why you feel better now is because there's, there's some type of light at the end of the tunnel? Um, um, maybe, maybe it is that, uh, or, or maybe I've just got used to it. I'm not sure which. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's an interesting point because, um, I was watching something yesterday where someone was saying people are getting so institutionalized now to, to working remotely or being in isolation and from home that actually going back to work is going to be a, a complete anxiety inducing experience. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, and there's something to be said for that. Spence, how are you feeling, mate? Do you feel as light at the end of the tunnel? Yeah, yeah, but it's not really. It, I, I thought it was light at the end of the tunnel, but it was a bloke with a torch bringing me more work. <laughs> What's his name? Martin Johnson. Martin Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. But it's just, it's for me, it's not been that bad. Um, it, um, it's not as if I enjoy this, um, the, this, this isolation or anything like that. It's just not that big a deal for me. Yeah. So it's not, it's been, it's been a change. Don't get me wrong. It's been a massive change, but it hasn't really made me feel anxious or overjoyed or anything like that. So when we've, when we've talked over the last, over the period of the last seven or eight weeks, and I've told you that I'm having a great time and you've said, well, don't get used to it. It's not a case of liking what I'm doing. It's just a case of getting on with it. And it, it, it's just uh, the venue's changed, but the job stayed the same. Yes, it's produced some challenges, um, but that are challenges, isn't it? It's, it's what you get, what happens. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for us guys, I mean, I guess on this podcast, what it's the first time the three of us have, have got together on a podcast for a while due to the, you know, the, the lockdown and the restrictions. But, you know, we're doing this via the app now, uh, via our mobile devices. But... Um, you know, I think for this podcast, it's worth just discussing very casually and very openly and honestly and frankly the whole lockdown experience, plus a little bit of focus on the return to work as as, as organisations start looking forward. But I think where me and Dave might have struggled slightly more than you. Now, I know you're the same, Spence, and you do. We all love what we do and we all love being in front of clients mm-hmm. and we all love delivering and we all love... But um, I particularly... Uh, suffer if I'm not if I'm not doing that. Um, particularly suffer if I'm not you know uh, doing the job that I love doing and being in front of people and 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 having that adrenaline rush of of an audience you know of, of having to deliver on the spot. And I think the one thing that has been taken away from us somewhat in this period is that core experience of what we do. And 
yes, we can work online. Yes, we can deliver through Microsoft Teams. Yes, we can write reports and research. But is it, does it give us the same level of fulfillment as it does stood up in front of a, a room ready to go? Dave, what's your first thoughts on that? Well, no, of course it doesn't know. And I mean, you know me, if, if, if I'm not busy, uh, uh, my mind goes to mush a little bit. I start losing the plot a little bit. Um, and at home, it's definitely harder to keep busy. Very, very hard to keep busy. It's much easier to switch off and join in with the family and, you know, all the rest of it. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, like you, like you say, you know, I kind of live, live for the moments that we are in front of groups of people where we can interact and all the rest of it. Yeah. Um, and, and when I'm not doing that, it's difficult. Yeah, absolutely. And that, and that, to be fair, Martin, and you know this for sure, is that doesn't matter whether I'm sat in the office or sat at home. Yeah. I was thinking about that the other day, Dave, because it's really no different for you. I mean, yes, this is your worst nightmare in the sense that um, it's completely, you know, no interaction because you're just at home in isolation with your family. At least in the office, you get to, we get to have a good old chinwag yeah. about the world and we, and we brainstorm projects or we can mm. get stuck into a video or a podcast. But so this is, but you do get frustrated even if you're doing that and there's a period of no delivery. So every, yeah. and this is the thing, Spence, <clears throat> you make a good point everybody's different. We sent out a survey recently, didn't we, about how people were coping with lockdown. Lydia did a fantastic survey and, and it, was a mul- it was a multitude of questions around certain things. And what came back was you was either calm, uh, uneasy uh, or anxious through uh, lockdown in terms of the way you were coping. And actually different people came back with very different results and, and therefore driven by your personality style, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, whether you're what type of motivators you have, et cetera, you're going to cope with lockdown very differently. Um, and, and I guess that's that's worth noting. Some people are going to go back into the workplace uh, very easily. Left. Some people will go back very hesitantly and some people will go back incredibly anxious. And I think that's what organisations and leaders need to start deciphering now. Who do I need to get to and in my organisation who's potentially going to struggle? I mean, should organisation spends be sending out some type of survey similar to we did now so they can start to gauge and judge who might be anxious and uneasy? Yeah, I think that's a valid point. I think um, when we start talking about um, organisations and companies and things like that, we're starting to think be more considerate of their employees and be a little bit more emotionally intelligent and the, the HR departments uh, really sort of trying to bring people uh, on board and, and, and make it inclusive rather than exclusive, then, yeah, this is certainly a, a thing that they might want to might want to use because uh, at, at the end of the day, when people are turning around saying, oh, when are we going to get back to normal? I think it's time to realise we ain't going to do that. Uh, and if you're going to start changing things, then, yeah, OK, let's find out a bit more about our people and, and what are they feeling? And I mean, truly feeling, not a loaded question, not not something we're going to pay lip service to, something that we can take action on and, and help and assist and support. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so you've linked me in there to the contentious issue, Spence, which I think we should debate on this podcast. And Dave, I'm going to come to you first after, after I sort of, you know, introduce the contentious issue. Because I know you love a contentious issue, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you mean. Oh, I do love a contentious issue. What are you issue? talking about? <laughs> well, listen, <laughs> Boris made his announcement and social media erupted. So 
we, we, we have this whole Brexit feel, don't we, again, about, about the current political landscape. We have the country divided into those who believe uh, we should be locked down to strict rules. Um, we're failing as a country. We're put, we're, we've got the second highest death rate globally. And the government have failed from day one in every decision that they've made. And then we've got the camp who are like, well, hang on a second. The government are damned if they do and they're damned if they don't. They're doing all they can. It's an impossible situation. And, and you have to balance the economy, right, versus the relative risk of COVID-19 versus the, the non-COVID deaths and risks to not screening, to heart problems, lung problems, to mental health issues from lockdown. So the government, uh, the other camp are sort of saying, listen, no, 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 we've got to fuel the economy and we've got to get back to some fashion because like Spencer just said then, COVID ain't going away. We don't have a vaccine. It's highly unlikely we'll have one soon if we have one ever, right? So the, so the protocol going forward is going to be probably therapeutics and, uh, and protocol, uh, and in time, we'll build up some type of immunity to it. That's the hope. So you've got these two camps, right? And social media's erupted. And you've got some employers who are dying to get back. And you've got some employers who are hesitant. I know where I stand. And I don't mind discussing where I stand. But Dave, what's your first thoughts on, on the decision? And should we be getting back into the workplace now? Is it the right thing to do to balance the relative risk and shield the vulnerable and the over 75s, but the healthy drive the economy? Or is it too soon? Dave, what's your first thoughts? Well, yeah, I don't mind putting myself out there, as you know. And, and I think uh, I think Boris and the government have done a relatively good job. I think you was right to say they're damned if they do and damned if they don't. Whatever they decided would be criticised by one half or the other. Um, but I do think there is a need to start integration again. You know, the world cannot stand still for a prolonged period of time. Otherwise, the world does start to fail. Yeah. Um, we've already sort of heard um, this week that the the economy has, has sort of slowed down by 5% or something just in the space of a couple of months. You know, you, you do that another couple of months, does it double or does it just go up incrementally? But either way, it's potentially disastrous for an awful lot of people. So well, it's when the, when, the, when the furloughed payments actually start to make no sense because it's draining money from the economy and the government when actually that we need to be restarting the economy by getting people back out into the world. Yeah. And you, I think the official, so, so the measurement in terms of you gave there, Dave, I think you're, it's a probably about right um, or somewhere in the middle, but up until March, they've measured that the economy shrunk 2%. Now that was only the beginning of lockdown. So what they're right. saying now, Dave, is when the next figures come out from a quarter since March, the actual yep. Um, you know, contraction of the economy is probably more somewhere between 10 to 15% potentially, which oh, would right. be huge, right? Because if mm. you think about it, mm. if it shrunk 2% up to March, we were still relatively operating up until March. So uh, the damage, the, the real damage will be the next figure. Now, that's what I believe has, has alerted the government to shift target. Now, a lot of people are saying, right, the problem with the government is no consistency. One minute we're saying this, the next minute we're going against that and, and with a contradiction and we're doing, making different decisions. I think one of the problems with COVID-19 is it is entirely fluid. And the, the more you learn, you know, the more information you gather, the more it drives your next decision. And I think I think the, the, the Chancellor and, and, the, and the government are, are, have fully seen how much trouble the economy is in. 
and their hmm. hand has been forced, whether they wanted to wait a few more weeks or not, but they're, they're sort of, their hand has been forced by the fact that, you know, they have to make these decisions because the long-lasting and far-reaching effects of a, of a, of a deep recession and an, a, a, an irreversible economy crash, potentially, is, is going to cause more uh, damage to health and well-being of this nation than potentially yeah. the short-term COVID situation. And I think they've balanced yeah. that with the risk of they've got enough data now that shows that the 1.5 million people with underlying health problems and the over 75s are at high risk. So they should continue to shield. However, mm. everybody else, there is a relatively low risk that you will contract and die from coronavirus. Um, mm. a, 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 a low risk, in fact, enough to say that we should be getting back and driving the economy. So I think that's what's happened here. And and the, and the contradictions and the changing is what's causing people to react emotionally in the way they are. And listen, I'm not saying that the, the people in the camp of we need to lock down and this is the wrong decision are wrong. They're well entitled to that opinion. And the, 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 if you've lost loved ones or you fear for loved ones, then I understand what drives that. And they're not wrong for feeling like that. But also the people who have a firm belief in the fact that you've got to look at the peripherals of COVID-19 and the knock-on effects and the potential damage to the country and to health and well-being outside of COVID as a result of continuing to lock down. And the people who believe that, therefore, the decisions that have been made are the right ones are also not wrong. And this is the impossible situation we're in. And I think, you know, having your own firm opinion but respecting others is a really important thing at the minute. Spence, I'm going to bring you in. What's your thoughts? Well, I just... I, I, I tend to agree with Dave, to be honest with you. Um, as much as you know that I'm, I'm sort of a, a, a moderate in the sense that uh, I can see both sides uh, of the argument. Um, yeah, I, 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 I don't think I'd take an alternative well, I, viewpoint I, I, to Dave. I haven't spent. On this. I agree with Dave. Oh no, no, no! But I'm just thinking if you are, if you're looking for a little bit of debate. You're not going to oh, get no, it. No, I'm not. I'm just after your opinion. I mean, as, as always, Spence. Oh no, no. We're not. We're not. We're not disagreeing for the sake of it. We no. We're, we're just having a go. Oh, no. All three no. of us are in the same camp. I think all three of us. We're, what we're saying is, yes. You know, we we understand that uh, the, the situation is bigger than just continuing to isolate. I mean, I posted something on LinkedIn the other day about Fairlow. I think the recent announcement. Of, I think Fairlow has been fantastic. By the way, so the government sprung into action. Agreed. Yeah, you know, agreed. They offered eighty yeah. percent wages for the entire country for furloughed uh, to furloughed workers, so we could lock down. It was phenomenal, right? It's unprecedented. So furlough was great, and then we get we're getting to the end of May, and I was thinking, oh, if furlough runs out in June, there's going to be some organisation or some people like bars and restaurants and the leisure industry who can't survive without the furlough. So I was thinking. Extend it a month for everybody, great, up until July, but only extend it to mm -hmm. October for the organisations and the industries who are not able to return. So your bars, mm. your gyms, your yeah. restaurants, your sports clubs, right? I think one of the mistakes, uh, if it is a mistake, or one of the sort of things that I think is actually going to hinder us is when you offer fairlout to everybody until October, there will be organisations due to pressure of their employees and from the medium who will lock down further, who will not rephase into the workplace. And the more they are not trading, yes, they can pay the wages in the short term, but I feel long term redundancies, mass redundancies as a result of it, because 
if you're not trading for another three months after three months already, those people ain't going to have jobs to come back to. So, so it's a short-term fix, mm. but a long-term problem. So if these people are championing, I'm going to stay on fallout till October, but then you're redundant in October, or you go back now with social distancing measures in July, you help your organization drive their revenue, drive their business, maintain their customer base and produce, and you've still got a job at the end of October, which, which is the, the, the better strategy? And that was my concern about it. Right. So I, I, I would I would agree with you. Um, I mean, <clears throat> what we're looking for is, uh, I think, with the, the tactics that have been used, again, we're, we're in uncharted water, aren't we? We're in uncharted territory. It's all new. Um, and there's been some good ideas. There's been some other ideas that haven't been quite so good. I won't say bad necessarily, but... Um, but yeah, I agree. If we, we we need to start thinking about driving forward, because as much as a lot of people have been focused on all the th- good things the government are doing, the money they're supplying them, whether it's the furlough uh, pay, uh, whether it's support for the uh, self-employed, which is unprecedented, um, and, um, and and all that sort of stuff. You've got to have one eye on the future. You've got to sort of say, well, where's the, he doesn't come and stay with us. We've got to pay back some, somehow. We've got to give back. And we and, and that's going to be um, through taxes and things like that. We've got to keep the economy going. So we need to be starting to think about being productive and driving productivity, yeah. as you said. Absolutely. And I think, you know, um, one of the stats is, is that if we borrow another 250 to 350 billion through failout to, to October, that puts us at um, you know a total um, debt of two, about two trillion, which means both debt and borrowing is is fast heading towards the amounts that we we were in the Second World War. I mean that that's what that's the literal literal situation that we're facing, and we're in two thousand and twenty. Yet we could be in the same financial position as nineteen forty five, right? So you know it is. I know, I know people might say, well, that's irrelevant because we've just got to do what needs to be done. And I, and I have a, a foot in that camp as well. But with my economy head on, with my, my I'm looking at everything, you know, we, we have to, uh, we could avoid it with relative low risk. And, and my firm view is, you know, 1.5 million people have been identified who are likely to have troubles if they contract this virus. The over 75s, it varies but some of them are likely to struggle with the virus. Almost everybody else, 99.8% of everybody else would be okay. And that's, and that's the figure I keep coming back to, which means if we shield, and as long as we're strict on it and we enforce it, if we shield the vulnerable and everybody else gets back with social distancing measures and with us learning a lot, I think it is the right time to do that because I just fear that the short-term view would, would be potentially a bit more catastrophic in the long term. All right. Dave, what are you thinking? Yeah, no, I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, and, and, you know, I guess from, from what you, Spence, and I have said and, and then what you've just been saying there about the economy and stuff, there, there isn't going to be the best time to, to restart the world because if we restart it sooner... There's a little bit more risk to health. If we restart it later, there's more risk to the economy. So, you know, it's a very difficult situation, uh, you know, for the government to be able to decide on, you know, which is best because there is no, no best. No, and I guess thing. coming back to the point that without a vaccine, 
COVID is never going to disappear. So at any point, there could be a spike. So we could lock down until October. We could eradicate all new cases in the UK. And then all of a sudden, we get back in October, flights, well, flights have continued, to be honest, but flights then, then start to increase. Public transport gets back to normal. You get half a dozen people who, who contract COVID, and all of a sudden, it's on the rise again. So, you know, where do you... We can't lock down forever. So is there a difference between fully locking down again now for another three months or starting to reintegrate as the, as, and get the economy going as the government has, has announced? And I think, you know, we've all just got to be mindful that we don't know as well right now, and this is the big point, we don't know the true effects of the lockdown until another three to six months. So we don't know if cancer mm. rates will go up. We don't know if death, cancer deaths will, will rise. We don't know if suicides will rise. Well, we already have an indication that suicides have increased through lockdown in terms of a percentage. You know, we don't we don't mm. know the true impact of it though until further down the line. So you like like Jenny Harris, who I, I don't know if you watch the briefings, but Jenny Harris, I think is is wonderful to listen to. She's educational. She's calm. She's factual. She's relaxed. She handles questions very well, and she constantly keeps reiterating, despite the same questions from the journalists. You have to look at the bigger picture, not just the COVID cases, because there are more deaths and more health factors going on than just COVID. And actually, the lockdown mm. and the economy struggles will fuel some more of those health problems further down the line. So I, I, I think we've got to look at the bigger picture. So that, that's COVID and that's it. I don't know if you guys agree, but it feels like a bit of a Brexit period again. <laughs> yeah, people are getting very opinionated, aren't they? Very, uh, very, um, uh, what's the word? Very um, uh, inflexible yeah. in the thoughts. Yeah, and and once they, and this is the, we always talk about the psychology of expense, don't we? Once you've put your position out there, once you've publicly made your case for what you believe in and what you stand then whenever you see a post or whenever somebody comments on your post, you will defend that position at all costs. You know, confirmation bias and cognitive dissonance. We will, we will do that. And then, then it grows bigger and bigger. So you then see the same people. I mean, I, I see a particular person who's put some quite controversial stuff out on social media and, and had a mass, uh, mass load of comments and, and debate. And it's like now it's like, their daily duty is to st is to prod people in the ribs and, and put something else on to reinforce their point of view. Do you know what I mean? And it, it's got that Brexit feel yeah. about it. It's, it's dividing again, and 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 I, I get it. And it's and it's, it's, but it's not easy. It's really not easy. And I think there is absolutely a genuine case to look after our vulnerable and our people now because we don't want the death rate to rise or to continue. We got it. We know who they are, right? This is me looking at it with my logical head, even my business head. We know who those people are. Let's shield them. Let's protect them. We also know the relative risk to everybody else. So let's reintroduce. Let's fuel the economy. Let's get back to some normality with caution and under social distancing measures. Um, but again, you know, everybody's opinion is different, aren't they? Yes, sure. Are. Dave? Absolutely. This, sure is, are. this is surreal on a yeah, podcast. Um, Usually, when we're in the room, Dave, we can look at each other in the eye so everybody knows who's finishing, who's going on. Where, yeah. Whereas, when one person <laughs> finishes, everyone's going, Do I jump in? Do I not? Go on, Dave. What are you going to say? 
Well, do you know what? I was going to say that uh, I think we uh, we permanently live in a divided society because of politics and religion and beliefs and thoughts and all the rest of it. And all this does, it just fuels people's fires. It really does. Um, you know, people start judging on things like common sense, which is an incredibly difficult thing to define. It's an incredibly difficult thing to measure or even identify um, because everybody's mm-hmm. perceptions are different, you know? So it, I think it's just at the moment, I think things are much more amplified because of the feeling yeah. of threat R- rather than political divide doesn't necessarily threaten us. It's just a, a need to have an opinion like you said, yeah. protect your opinion. Whereas this has potentially got some life threat to it, I Definitely. guess. Definitely, 100%. So, so when we think about returning to work then, and I guess the last six or seven minutes of this podcast, we can maybe have a little just change the direction because, you know, it does need discussing. But given what we've just said up to this point, there's lots of uncertainty out there. There's lots of hesitancy. There's lots of anxiety. You know, some people want to go back to work. They can't wait. Other people feel pushed into going back to work and they think it's ludicrous. So so organisations are going to have um, different feelings from different people in, 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 you know, in their return to work. And, and therefore, for me, it's imperative that organisations and leaders are really crystal clear in their plans, their communications, their decisions, the protocol to make people at least, you know, become united in their expectations of what their employer is asking of them. You know, I'm on a WhatsApp group with friends where some of the, the, the three or four of them work for the same company and one's going, we're back in on Wednesday. And the other one's going, I haven't heard anything. And the other one's like, well, I've just rang so-and-so and he said Friday. Right. And that's that's three employees from the <laughs> same company. And that's an example now of where poor communication mm. decision making on this reintroduction phase is going to cause even more chaos and divide. So, I mean, what springs to mind, Dave, in terms of your first thoughts on one of the principles of re- reintroducing people to the workplace? What, what are people got to be thinking about? Well, I think they've got to be thinking about the obvious, which is safety. Um You've got to be thinking about a bit of distance between people. Um, I think there's an awful lot of dynamics in an awful lot of businesses uh, and environments that are going to have to change for quite some time. Um, and will they need to change permanently? I'm not sure. I don't know. Um, I, I don't even know. I, I can't even envisage what the new normal is going to look like. For for Even for us, I think. Even for us as a, as a people-facing business, what is going to be the new normal? Um you know, manufacturing, production and so forth. Who knows? It's a very difficult thing to try and picture. Um, a, a pal of mine works for a, a very big production company in the city um, and he's been complaining for a while uh, that he feels under threat, himself feels under threat because the business that he works for has done nothing to, um, to try and distance people. It is difficult to distance people, but they've done nothing at all. And they've tried to get them to sign a disclaimer saying that if you get COVID, it's not from work. Um, and then t- until uh, a couple of days ago, he went back in and somebody has been taking photographs, putting it in social media and the phone, the police. And it's actually the police that have come and basically said, we're going to close the whole thing down unless you start to observe distancing. Um, so, of course, the company over the space of a day or two has had to put in these huge amounts of measures Um but it makes you wonder yeah. why they didn't do it. In the and first this is place. this when when the 
They've, yeah. they've had seventy cases. And this of COVID. is the thing, right? It, you, you make a good point. You know I mean? The new norm is not a one a one thing. The new norm is different things to different people, right? So our new norm will we will, we will have to find our new norm, which we we all we we are already discussing yeah. that, and we have been for weeks. And I think the the, the but the factory the factory down the road will have to find their new norm. The financial institution, the technology company, the recruitment organization, right? Or the, every, the car manufacturing business, they all have to find their own new norm. And only the leadership team who run that organization Absolutely. and know it inside out are, are in the best position to find that new norm. And, and I've talked about four principles all lockdown, and we're going to continue to talk about them here at T2. Number one, you've got to consider staggering your workforce back in. We can't just go big bang as much as we're, a, as mm. much as we're championing getting yeah. the economy going. Big bang for large and organizations with many employees is not the right way so you've got to stagger what is your plan to reintroduce different waves of employees depending on their not not criticality but their or their importance but there'll be some employees who you need first and there are others like back office functions like hr marketing etc who could maybe continue to work from work from home so you know you number one is you've got to stagger mm. number two is you've got to then leave tying into that leave some departments remote based working for the rest of the year if it needs to be right there's some people we've learned mm. from this exercise that can work from home so who are you, who's going to communicate early to the people who are going to be remote based for the rest of the year or for the next quarter get get it to them early so they can get it in their mindset that they're not returning in the coming weeks and then thirdly, I talk about infrastructure. You mentioned it there, Dave. We need, a, we need to completely redesign our facilities from stickers to, to, to mm. signage to separating uh, desk spaces two metres apart to uh, joint meeting rooms, training rooms. You know, do we use air conditioning? Do we not? What's our hygiene protocol? Do we, do we apply masks and gloves and provide them for all employees? All of that stuff needs completely redesigning. And finally, number four, and I'm going to bring you in here, Spence. Number yeah. four, we've talked about it a lot, is morale. So as, as well as doing all those physical things, yeah. for all the reasons we're talking about on this podcast, you're gonna ha your morale is going to be down because there's going to be a proportion who are uncertain and anxious and, the, and fear of losing jobs, like Dave said, and the threat of coronavirus, it all goes into the pot. So strong leaders and organisations are going to do all they can to lift morale. Would you agree, Spence? I would very much so. And um, the beauty about that is it doesn't really take much, just a little bit of thought and a little bit of application and understanding your people, knowing yeah, your people. Yeah, absolutely. And we're not saying taking them on a, <clears throat> take them on a team building day or, you know, or, or anything like that. Or no. splash out on a, you know. We're just saying, what are the small things you can do? I mean, one of the things I think you can do to lift morale, and, I, and I've said this before, is what, I think every department needs a clear 60-day plan uh, You know, from the organisation. Listen, here's what it's going to be. Some departments are going to go back and they're going to be stacked because they've got a backlog to catch up on. Some departments are going to go back and there's nothing to do because their area has been made redundant by the fact that they're not operating as usual. And, and, and somewhere in the middle... And therefore, yeah. if you need to shift target for certain employees or certain groups and teams, you've got to be really clear on what the first 60 days expectations of them are, uh, where you're going to deploy them, what do you need them to achieve? Because that will allow them just to, to, to at least have some certainty around their contribution when they return. But there's a million other things you can do to, to raise that morale, and, and, and that's going to be really important. Yeah. 
I mean, self development. No, but Dave, we, you know, you could, you, <laughs> we would say that, right? We're a personal development company, but you know, of course we investing would. in your people and just checking in with them. I mean, some of our great clients have really understood the importance of giving their employees who are worrying or struggling the opportunity to come and be psychometric tested with us to receive a bit of coaching and guidance on how they may be handling the situation, some coping mechanisms to, to manage their trigger points and anxiety during lockdown. Now, that's, that's an organisation who are really looking at still trying to help and develop their people. And, um, and that's not going to stop because we return to the workplace, right? So, yeah, where can we get them focused and focusing their minds in the coming weeks to keep them engaged in the organisation without a shadow of a doubt? I mean, we could talk yeah. about this all day, guys, but I'm going to I'm going to push you. I'm going to ask you for one final um, one final sort of thought about this whole situation and about the coming weeks going forward. If, if, if people are listening to this, if you're an employee in an organization, if you're a leader in an organization, whatever it might be, if you're just somebody who's interested in our views on on the whole situation, you know, I think we are. Um, we are, we, we are at the poss- possibly the most interesting three weeks or the most crucial three weeks of the whole COVID situation so far. We don't know what the data and the reaction is going to be from the recent restrictions being lifted and from people integrating onto public transport and back into the workplace. My, my view is this. Expect a spike in numbers again in three weeks' time, right? But my view is also this. Whenever we do this or whenever we chose to do this, we're always going to see that same spike. So reverting back down to a lockdown in three to four weeks time for another two months is going to be absolutely catastrophic for for the country, for health, for the economy, for for everybody. I think my, my guidance would be treat the figures and the announcements and what comes out from the media in the coming three to four weeks with a, with, with, just a little bit of rationale. Try to stop and think at the fact that it's naturally going to potentially go up again. I mean, who knows what the spike's going to be like. But at that point, it's potentially more catastrophic to go back down the snake. And I think what we've got to do here is we've got to pull together. We've got to observe social distancing. We've got to use our common sense. We've got to take some ownership and accountability when we go back out into society and not blame the government for me being close to somebody in the office or the organisation for not providing me with this. We've all got to take a bit of accountability, but we've got to try and drive economies so we can maintain our jobs, so we can pay our bills, so we can bloody live. And I think we've got to do that the best we can while we shield the most vulnerable people. And we will come out the end of this. Spence, what's your final view? I would. Um, I think that uh, one of the things that we talk about and have done for years, uh, particularly on our when we start uh, working with organisations and companies, is is to understand and appreciate others and diversity. The fact we're all different, and I think that come that it, uh, in the current climate it, it is more important than ever. Um, as as was as you alluded to earlier on in the conversation, there's going to be people who just slide back into work. There's going to be people who maybe have a little bit of trepidation and there's going to be people who are actually a a bit freaked out about it. Rather than being judgmental, just have that little bit of sort of 
emotional intelligence to go, yeah, you know what? It's not going to be easy for everybody. And rather than just jump into conclusions, like sometimes people do when, when people sort of seen as resistant to change, what we can do is sort of say, right, okay, then maybe they just need more information. Maybe they need a little bit of support. Who's going to do that? Well, I'm going to be a proactive boss. Or I'm going to be a proactive employer. Yeah, so stuff. I'm going Dave, to do that. Final thoughts. Well, I think it's something similar to Spencer, but um, my condensed version is just to show empathy. You know, I talk about empathy an awful lot in the workplace, Martin, as you know, and just, you know, just consider people more. Think about them more rather than the bottom line or the environment or the workplace or whatever. You know, Spencer, uh, Spencer just said, you know, quite rightly so, that everybody's different. Lots of people are very, very different. So the only way you can consider people's differences if you care so care that people are feeling nervous care that people are feeling cautious care that people are being resistant and why they're being resistant is because they're fearful for their health so just understand that and don't you know don't don't lose your patience don't become intolerant you know because there's a job to do you know it, it comes down to our, our final saying doesn't it about yeah. and you make a great point there my last point you. before we close is this showing empathy for another person's position on something doesn't mean you agree with them. Show, showing empathy for another person's no. position just for a moment allows you to understand their perspective from a completely different context. It doesn't mean that after showing that empathy and understanding and, getting, letting, and, and taking time to think about it, it means that you have to agree. You don't, right? You can still have your own standpoint. That's what the biggest mistake people make. They don't show the empathy because they think if I do show empathy to this, this, this comment or this position, then it might seem like I'm coming around to their way of thinking. And that's the biggest challenge psychologically with that, with why we have differences. It doesn't. You can show empathy and understand and acknowledge people's position and still have your own. And I think that's what we've got to try and do as we work our way through the coming two or three months, which are going to be difficult. Um, and like I say, there's going to be maybe another little wave and a little spike, uh, etc. But we're learning all the time. And remember, the large majority of us, right, as, as, as appalling as the death count is and as hard as it's been for us all and as, as much as our loved ones are at risk, the large, vast majority stand a relatively low chance of contracting and if they do, dying from coronavirus. So we have to apply some rationale and we have to guard and protect our most vulnerable and without a doubt. Um, but we've got to try and come together and keep this country moving forward. And I think if we do, we will come out the other end of this. Fellas, I enjoyed that. And by the way, that's 38 minutes. We're allowed more than 30 minutes on the phone app. It's only the, uh, it's only the online sort of desktop app that restricts you to 30 minutes. So, yeah. We're allowed more time on the uh, All right. So we've done 38 minutes there. We probably could have done an hour, but I think we'll end it there. Spence, thank you very much, mate. All Dave, right. thanks for your inputs, Pat. Thank you, Martin. And uh, and we'll be back next week with another T2 podcast. See you later, guys. 